just a privilege to to worship and worship about the goodness of God, um, and it's chasing us down. Uh, what a what a joy and a promise to rest in. Um, wow. Um, I'm just excited to be back up here again this week. Uh, next Sunday, uh, our senior pastor, Randy, uh, will be back up here after his study break. I'm sure he'll update you on, on all of that time away. Um, but he'll be up here to start a series on the parables of Jesus. And so you do not want to miss that. So please make plans to come back uh, next Sunday. It's going to be uh, just a, a wonderful time to dive into the Gospels together. Uh, so please uh, make plans to be here next week. Uh, this morning we are wrapping up our series called Oh, the Places Will Go. Uh, we've been in this series for three weeks, and uh, we've been talking about living the lives of ambassadors. Paul calls us ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, he says, We are ambassadors of Christ, as if God is making his appeal through us. What a joy, right? What, what an honor, what a, what a privilege that is. It, is. it is also a weighty responsibility, one that should not be taken lightly, nor should it be picked up temporarily. See, we are not called to play the role of an ambassador. We are called to live the lives of ambassadors. Playing the role of an ambassador implies that this is temporary or occasional or on an interim basis. We are called to live the lives of ambassadors. And this, this is a call not on a temporary basis, but a call of a lifestyle change. So that others might see Christ in us. In, in, in how we live, in how we love, in how we listen, in how we learn. In how we grow, in how we serve, in how we go. See, we've talked about how ambassadors need to have hearts that are surrendered to God. We've, we've talked about how ambassadors are focused on what God is doing. We've talked about last week about how ambassadors go where God is going. And today we are going to see more of that in our scripture. We're going to see two ambassadors, Paul and Silas, who have answered the call to go. And God has led them to a place that is awful, uh, just terrible, uh, not going to sugarcoat it at all, real bad. So just buckle up for that. It's bad. Okay, they've been called to a very undesirable location, but they also are called into a space where unexpected life change happens. Now, before we dive into this passage, it's important for us to know how Paul and Silas got here. It's important to know how Paul and Silas got into jail. You see, Paul and Barnabas had been traveling together as missionaries. They'd been going around doing the work of the Lord when a disagreement arose. See, Paul and Barnabas had different ideas about who should be joining them on the missionary journeys. And Barnabas had this idea, and Paul had a different idea, and well, it kind of divided them. So Paul picked up Silas on the road, and they started traveling and joining forces together, and they spent time, they, they found Timothy in a town called Derby. We know a little bit more about Timothy's story, right? He was kind of taken under Paul's wing. They ended up traveling into Philippi where they met and converted Lydia in Acts chapter 16, verse 15. 
And while traveling in Philippi, they came across this, this girl who was enslaved. And she was possessed by an evil spirit. And this possession was something that, that her owners were making money off of. Well, this, this girl who was enslaved, she was bothering, pestering Paul and Silas as they were traveling through town. And it says, Scripture says that Paul became annoyed. Paul cast the demon out of her. The demon left her, and it also left her owners very angry. And they pulled Paul and Silas into the marketplace to be placed in front of the rulers. And it says, I love what Scripture says here, it says that their complaint was, these men are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. When in fact Paul was a Roman. The crowd joined in. They're all like, yeah, we don't want him here. Just do something about it. So they have Paul and Silas severely beaten. They were flogged, which is the same beating that our Savior took before he took up our cross. And then they were thrown into jail, and that's where our scripture starts. Wow, what an intro. Woo. Now, as we read our passage today in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34, I, I want us to pay attention to these very small but very significant decisions that these ambassadors, Paul and Silas, make in jail. Very small but very significant decisions that they make here in this passage. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. This is what Luke writes. He says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is God's word for us today. Small, simple, Yet very significant decisions were made in this situation that had a life-changing impact for the jailer and his family and his household. Have you ever noticed this in your life? Where, where small, seemingly insignificant decisions play a huge role on the rest of your life. Maybe if you're a Christ follower, if you're, if you're thinking about that decision to follow Jesus. You might, you might be thinking of that. Me, when I was thinking about this, I thought of a family vacation in 2019. 
We took a vacation to Niagara Falls. It's beautiful. Lots of water. Uh, lots of water. And rocks. And people. Lots of people. Uh, and so we, we went up there as, as a family, stayed at a hotel. It was, it was lovely. We went to the park every day. I was like, how exciting could, could the waterfall be for my kid? Like, is it going to keep the kids' attention? It was wonderful. You know, we did like the little trolley tour where it takes you like to different places around the falls. And we did the Maid of the Mist where they dress you up like Paddington Bear and make you go down by the water and everything. It was wonderful. So fun. As we were packing up to come back home is when this small, seemingly insignificant decision was made that drastically impacted our drive. Now, I generally tend to be a grumpy dad when we come home. Uh, I'm grumpy that vacation is ending. I'm grumpy that my skills as a classically trained Tetris player is not working out of packing everything back in our van the way it fit in the driveway. Now my kids are like, Dad, don't crush that. It's, it's a souvenir. It's like it's a stuffed animal. They're fine. And so I'm trying to pack everything. We're getting checked out of our hotel. And we've got this little, this little hospitality space right by the checkout desk at the hotel. And I'm like, you know what? The best way to fight bad habits, being grumpy, is to develop good habits. So instead of being grumpy, I'm going to be the fun dad. So Stephanie's off doing something else. And, and I'm like, hey, kids, why don't you guys go pick out a snack for the ride home? And they're like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be fun today. And they're like, really? And so I'm like, Yes! go pick out. So I'm checking out, and I'm like, how much was the room? And so they're picking out snacks, and here they come with candy and chocolate, and I'm like, this is going to be great. And so we meet Stephanie out at the van, and they're all like, mom, look, I got Swedish fish, or I got, I got M&Ms, I got Starburst. And Stephanie's like, what? What, did, what happened? Well, dad, dad's going to be fun, so we got candy. And she looked at me, and she's like, oh, all right. You know how when the wife goes, all right, and it's like a couple of weird octaves, and it's like, I have made a poor decision here. Uh, because as we get in the van, the immediate question is, when can we eat our snacks? And so our snack question now has, has well, the bags have ripped open, and they are eating candy, and the volume in our van, the seemingly small decision has gone terribly wrong. And so it, the volume in our van and like the buzz of our van is just gradually getting worse. It's just awful. And I'm just like, why? And like, I can't figure it out. And she's just smiling. She's like, look what you did. Look at what you did. Way to be fun. Good job. And so it was just awful. The seemingly small and insignificant decision to be fun in this moment was terribly terribly wrong for the next two to three hours all the way home. It was awful. So, so awful. I think we do this in our lives. I think we make small decisions every day that can either have a positive impact or can have a negative impact on our circumstances. And that's exactly what happens here in Paul and Silas's situation in jail. See, they made small but very significant decisions that not only kept their perspective in the right direction, but also paved the way for life change to be present in the middle of the night, in the middle of this Roman jail. And I want us to look at these decisions this morning, because I think it's important for us to have them on our, on our minds and, and on our hearts as we enter into having these lives as ambassadors. 
Decision one is that they chose to pray and praise. It's right where our passage starts, right? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. There was probably no sleep in store for them that night after the beating that they had suffered. And now the discomfort of a five-star Roman jail. But in the midst of all of their suffering, they displayed their trust in God through these offerings of prayer and praise. See, their prayers would have not been silent and their, their praise would have not been held to a whisper. It would have been out loud. And this decision of prayer and this decision of praise is, is probably not typical of the environment they're in. And I would suppose that that's why the rest of the prisoners were listening to them. It's acting so different than the rest of their normal inmate buddies here. Their beating and reason for imprisonment would not have been kept a secret to the group, but now neither is their devotion to God. Instead of looking at their surroundings and looking at their situation and looking at where God's calling has now put them, they're looking to God himself through the words of prayer and the words of praise. See, prayer and praise kept Paul and Silas's mind focused on God. God has to be up to something here. Prayer and praise kept Paul and Silas's heart ready for whatever's next. Prayer and praise kept them alert to God's promptings. Prayer and praise not only kept them attentive and focused on God, but it also reminded them who was in charge. See, they're not trying to get out of their suffering, but they're trying to grow deeper into a relationship with the Savior. They're not, they're not scheming a plan to get out. They're not, they're not developing a plan of escape. They're not designing a plan to distract the jailer, but they're diving deeper into relationship with God through a time of prayer in a time of praise, and I don't think this was their last resort. I think this was their first response. I don't think this was out of desperation. I think this was out of deliberation. I think this decision is intentional. I think it's on purpose. It's certainly in line with Acts 2, devoting themselves to prayer and daily praise in the temple courts. You see, while the scenery around them is certainly different and the circumstances have changed, their dedication to the Lord has not. See, when we have situations and circumstances and, and our surroundings change and it feels like the season that we are in is never going to change, we have one of two decisions we can make. We can either allow our circumstances, our situations, and our surroundings, we can either allow them to rob us of joy or they can remind us to pray and praise. See, Paul and Silas, they didn't know verse 26 was coming. They, they didn't know an earthquake was about to hit. They didn't know what God was about to do. But they knew that as disciples of Christ, as ambassadors of God, as, as, as prayer and praise should always be on their lips and always on their hearts. You see, when prayer is on our hearts and praise is on our lips, our purpose will remain out in front of us. That's why Acts 2 is so important. The study of scripture, fellowship, community with one another, serving one another, taking care of needs, prayer and praise. It's, it's to remind us that no matter the circumstance, God is still on the throne and his plan and purpose is still before us. Paul and Silas chose to pray and praise. See, Paul and Silas are, are leading this Vespers service in jail. 
and an earthquake hits, which isn't uncommon for this area of Macedonia. But this earthquake shakes the foundation of the jail so much that it, it, it opens the doors and loosens the chains all at once. The jailer wakes up and notices that the doors are open and assumes that the prisoners have escaped. He draws his sword to harm himself, but Paul, still in the jail, shouts out to him quickly, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer calls for lights, which would have been a torch, rushes in to find this to be true, and trembling with fear, he falls down before Paul and Silas. See, the second decision that Paul and Silas make here is the decision to stay. They chose to stay. They had two chances to leave, but they chose to stay. See, the earthquake, which, which shook the jail so that the door swung open and the chains fell off simultaneously, they could have left then. They would still be in tremendous pain, but they could have left then. They didn't. They could have let the jailer harm himself. They could have just been like, hey, let's be quiet. Let him do his thing, and then we can all go. But they don't do that either. I imagine Jesus' greatest commandment in Matthew 22, something that the apostles certainly would have been teaching, would have been gathering momentum in their minds, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, a decision to flee would have given the optics of some sort of guilt, some sort of wrongdoing for Paul and Silas. If they flee the scene, they become wanted by the Roman government. But by staying, they're reminding themselves that they are not wanted, but they are called by the Lord for this situation, this space, this time, this reason. The jail, this, this circumstance, this situation is not a displacement, but an intentional placement by God, however uncomfortable it may be. See, God had taken the events of the day and now ordained them for his will to be done. The jailer comes in, begins trembling with fear and fell down before Paul and Silas out of respect for them. See, by staying and by calling out to him, they have now saved his life twice. The small and significant decision to stay is incredibly important, not just to avoid the wanted signs with their pictures on them, throughout the Roman Empire, but important to the jailer's life, and not just his physical life, but now his spiritual life, as we soon see. See, I would argue that the earthquake was not sent to release Paul and Silas, but to release the jailer. I would argue that the earthquake was not sent to change the circumstances of Paul and Silas, but to change the life of the jailer and all that were in his household. Staying takes the needs of the jailer and places them above the desires of Paul and Silas. Because they would have rather been anywhere else. We're not talking about a real nice hotel, not a nice hotel stay here. They would have rather been anywhere other than a Roman prison in the middle of the night, but they quickly realized that God's purpose for them was in this prison right now. And instead of fleeing to enjoy comfort, they stayed to embrace their calling. We've talked about this every week of the series. Every story that we've talked about has the importance of paying attention to the needs of others. Being attentive to God's direction in our lives. Acts chapter 2 says that they sold all of their possessions and gave to anyone that had need. 
Acts 3 was, was the story of Peter and John and how they paused their journey on the way to the temple, paid attention to a lame man who was sitting by the side of the road so that he could receive this miracle of mobility by the power of Christ. Last week in Acts 8, we, we talked about Philip, right? How he followed God's promptings that, that led him to the eunuch. And after he listened to his questions, then he opened his mouth and shared the gospel with him. There is power in the pause. There, there's power in paying attention. There's power in being attentive to God's work. Paul and Silas made the decision to pray and praise. They, they made the decision to stay Finally, they made the decision to invest. The jailer brings Paul and Silas out of the jail and says to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, there's a lot in this question. There's a lot in this question, right? Is, is he asking about being saved from the Roman charges that might come against him in the breach of the jail? I mean, it's a natural disaster, but he was on duty. Or is he asking about Paul and Silas about saving his physical life? I mean, he might be terrified of them. Did they bring the earthquake? Or is he really asking about salvation through Christ? We really don't know in what context the jailer is asking these questions because Luke, the writer of Acts, writes in summaries, which leaves out some fun details for us to know. Did the jailer overhear the, the prayer and praise from the cell? Did the jailer overhear the teachings of Paul and Silas earlier? We really cannot be too certain about the context of this question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? We also need to unpack the phrasing of this question. What must I do? You see, if the jailer is talking about salvation through Christ, is, is he thinking that this is a performance-driven salvation? I mean, is, is there some sacrifice that he would have to perform? Is there some ritual that he would need to participate in? Does he need to do anything for Paul or Silas? See, and whether or not the jailer is asking a spiritual question about salvation in Christ or whether or not the jailer is believing that he has to perform some sort of ritual to get in, Paul and Silas answer in a spiritual gospel-centered way. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And then the jailer, the jailer took Paul and Silas that same hour and washed their wounds, and then, then they went and washed his through baptism. The jailer then brought him, brought them up to his house, fed them, rejoiced with his entire family that he had believed in God. Their decision to invest in the life of of the jailer. This is the same man that put chains on your hands and feet. The same man that locked you in and now you are releasing him from a life of sin and shame. That's only the power and the work of the gospel. This decision to answer his question spiritually, this, this decision to speak the word of the Lord to him is now become life-changing for him and his entire household. And in my study this week, I, I kept wondering, what kept Paul in this cell? What was it that was, that was drawing Paul and Silas to the life of the jailer? I mean, certainly divine opportunity, right? There's, there's this divine appointment that God had ordained the moment they were arrested. But what kept Paul's attention here? I think, 
I think Paul saw himself in the jailer. I think Paul saw Saul in the jailer. I mean, he's imprisoning Christians who were disturbing the city. And then something extraordinary happens, right? Saul gets that bright light in Acts 9. The jailer gets this earthquake. When the jailer approaches Paul and Silas in the cell, he addresses them as sirs, which is the same Greek New Testament word that we have for Lord, which is how Saul addresses Christ on the road to Damascus. The kindness that Ananias showed towards Saul is now showing itself from Paul to the jailer. I think Paul sees Saul in the jailer. I think he sees a man that simply needs to know the love of Christ and see the grace of Christ through the ambassador standing in front of him. These small decisions have a profound impact the decision to pray and praise when it would have been easy to give up. The decision to stay when it would have been easy to run. The decision to invest when it would have been easy to ignore. All of these decisions led to the jailer's decision to accept Christ. Which leads us to our big idea for today. Small decisions towards God's will have a profound impact on God's kingdom. Small decisions towards God's will have a profound impact on God's kingdom. Small decisions that are focused and centered on God's will and God's purpose and God's design will allow us as ambassadors of Christ to have a deep and significant impact on God's kingdom. If we, if we are ambassadors and, and ambassadors are representatives of Christ, then we are kingdom workers. Does, does God need us? No. God does not need us, but he invites us. He invites us to be a part of his plan and his purpose as ambassadors as if God is making his appeal through us. What an incredible, divine opportunity that we get to share in this gospel work with the Creator and Savior. Last week, we followed the sermon with the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And I remember singing that song as a kid, Sunday morning, Sunday night church, my dad up leading songs, my mom on the grand piano. Our grand piano was on that side of the stage. It was a song that would get stuck in my head over and over and over again because of its repetitive nature. Now I've learned as an adult, I don't need it to get stuck in my head. I need it to get stuck in my heart. Amen. You see, following Jesus is not a decision that we make once. It's, it's built on small decisions that we make every single moment, in every situation, every single day. Following Jesus is what being an ambassador is all about, and it's in these little, small, seemingly insignificant decisions where our relationship with Christ is strengthened and our calling on our lives is clarified, where God reveals the next right step. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that I know your circumstances or your situations. I'm not going to pretend that I somehow know the decisions that you need to make. But I do know that if we make small decisions 
towards the will and purpose of God. If, if we are attentive to his word and his voice and his promptings, we will live the lives of ambassadors. We, we will represent Christ where we are going. We will represent Christ where we are called, and we will represent Christ in every circumstance that comes our way. This calling to be ambassadors is not to be taken lightly or picked up temporarily, but this calling is to be our lifestyle. Being an ambassador is not about how we go to church, but about how we go and be the church Monday through Saturday. Being an ambassador is our calling. Will we answer? Will we be a church that answers? Will will we be individuals that make decisions with a kingdom impact? Will we choose to ready ourselves for kingdom work through study, prayer, praise, and fellowship? Will, Will we choose to step into the needs of others? Will we choose to go when we are called? Will we choose to live attentive lives through every circumstance? Because, listen, our decision to follow Christ could lead to someone else's decision to follow Christ. I got this really cool opportunity last Friday to be here at the building with a bunch of high schoolers, middle school and high schoolers, at our summer revival event here. We got a picture. If we could show that, that would be great. I think we've got a picture. We don't have a picture. You can picture it in your mind. Uh, It's a really good picture. The lights were off. It was a really cool picture. The cross was like right over here. It was great. It was an awesome night. I I counted 66 students. Um, There could have been more. It was dark. I got to watch our student ministry director, Amber, in her element as she ministered to all of these kids. We had a good group of adults there volunteering and pouring into others. But the coolest part of the night was when one of our students got up and chose to be an ambassador. I didn't think I'd make it through this part. (laughs) Um, I've known Lily Oltoff for almost 12 years and never thought I'd see her up on stage sharing her testimony with a bunch of her peers, and I was so glad the lights were off because I was just a mess. She shared her story. She shared her testimony of how God was continually steadfast in her life. And she shared about how she thought that because she never had this big, massive, come-to-Jesus moment that she didn't think she had a story to tell. But God revealed to her that she did. And she got up on stage and got to share that with her peers. She was being an ambassador in that moment. And it was beautiful. We each have opportunities like that every single day. We have opportunities, whether it's a stage or a conversation. We have opportunities to be a reflection of Christ to those around us. question is is will we be like lily will we be bold with the story that we have to tell will we be ambassadors 
If we are, I can't wait to see the places we'll go. Let's pray.